Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. Welcome to a very special edition of Turn a Page, Nerd Initiative's comic book club on YouTube and in podcast form. My name is Ken M. I'm the host of the ODPH podcast, and I'm also Nerd Initiative's Comics Editor-in-Chief. And this is a special edition because not only do we have two amazing creators on the show, but the entire Nerd Initiative Comics bullpen team is here. Marty Stoked, Matt Roth, and Lauren Freeman from Hops Geeks News are in the studio as well. And also to my right, your left, I don't even try doing his intro, let him take it away. Coming at you live and direct, straight from a folding chair in the ODPH studios. My name is Off the Cuff Tom, Nerd Initiative's pop culture connoisseur. Ken, Jeff, Jay, always a pleasure. Absolutely. That was a nice intro. And... <laughs> very, very DJ, very radio DJ. I try my best because it's so much energy to come out with this because with what was unfolding at New York Comic Con this year, we got the press release about a brand new creator-owned company that really had a literal hit list of top level creators being a part of a new company that is really going to take the comic book world by storm. And just the passion and the energy that was coming out from each panel absolutely blew me away to the point that I think my team here got very sick of me talking about, you need to get on board with Ghost Machine because I literally have been sold on what you have coming up in the latter or latter half of this year with an amazing series out, Geiger Ground Zero. And leading into January's one shot, which is going to kick off the entire Ghost Machine movement. And I could sit here and rave about this all day, but we have two creators on the line that can do it much better than I can. You know their work from Green Lantern, Justice League, Batman, Three Jokers, and so many more. But that is the past. The future is Ghost Machine. So please welcome to the show, writer of Gregor Ground Zero, Jeff Johns. And from the upcoming Rook Exodus, Jason Fabic. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for uh, having us, Cam. We're psyched to be here. Absolutely. So that being said, talk to us. How did this whole ghost machine movement come about? I mean, you know, uh, it really started from, I mean, all of us talking over the years about, um, I mean, about our love for comic books, our passion for comic books and working with each other and you know Gary and I had just finished up Doomsday Clock and Gary wanted to do something you know create our own non kind of non-superhero or superhero adjacent and so Eric Stevenson had been asking me for years to do something at Image and I was excited to do it so we went into Geiger and as we did that we were just having a lot of fun and then Jay and I were wrapping up Three Jokers which was a huge passion project for us I mean Jay we worked on that for what like Two years, two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. Like we really put everything we had into that book. And Jay and I've worked together for, God, I can't remember how long it's gone since I DM'd him one like at one thirty in the morning saying, "What are you working on?" Um, and we ended up on Justice League together. Uh, but we've been working together for seven or probably seven years, Jay, something like that. Since like two thousand fourteen, maybe eight. Yeah, eight or nine. I mean, it's it's been a long time. So. We were we were work, starting to work on a creator-owned book, and then I was talking to, you know, Brad Meltzer and Brian Hitch and Francis Manipal, and all of us just started talking about how do we how do we how do we kind of make a, a a better company? Like, there's all these companies out there 
that are that are editorial structures that then hire talent. And so we just we basically flipped it. We're talent. And we hire our editorial structure. But the way we we built this is we want to do something that was, you know, character driven and comics first and super high quality um, and then co-own everything and co-run it together. And and so Ghost Machine developed out of that. The name Ghost Machine came from, I don't know if you guys are probably familiar with the term Ghost in the Machine, which is like from the 1940s. This, this uh, I think, philosopher in France came up with it with the spirit and the body, talking about like the spirit is separate from the body, the ghost in the machine. And then today it's evolved into this saying that programmers use when a program in the computer is not doing quite what it was programmed to do it. And, and they can't explain why it's like magic. It's like undefinable. And to us, the passion and the creative and the talent, you can't like replicate it very easily, right? It's special for everybody. I always talk about how everyone's, everybody has a unique perspective when, when it's expressed creatively that can't be replicated. And so we are that ghost together. We are the ghost in the machine. We are the the passion that you can't control or program or, or quite frankly, tell us what to do anymore. Um, and we just want to create great books, great characters, and have fun doing it with people we really love and respect. And so that's how the company grew from a handful of us to, you know, there's like 15 people. There's a few creators we haven't even announced yet. Um, and some more that are coming. There's, you know, there's a couple we're going to be announcing next month, but um but Ghost Machine really developed out of just our love for comic books, our love for working together, and our love for creating great characters. And then our our desire and need um, at this point in our careers to really say, like, hey, this is when the books are going to be out. This is what we want to do. This is how we're going to build our universe. This is, you know, this is uh um this is uh our our cadence, this is this is our tone, this is you know, all, all our characters. When I was writing Green Lantern, I absolutely loved it. And I have the same feeling when I'm writing these books right now is, but the thing about Green Lantern is like, there's always other things, even with Green Lantern, always other things around it that affected it, whether it be a schedule or DC wanted to book out on, on a certain time or um, crossovers or whatever. And it was cool. Um, but for us, this is a, this is a matter of taking everything we've done in our careers and, and kind of leveling up creatively and, and even logistically with how we're laying it all out. No, I mean, absolutely. You can tell that. I mean, the, the synergy that you all have together, too, because like I say, with Gary Frank, Brian Hitch, Francis Manipal, Lamont McGee, on board, Brad Meltzer, Peter Tomasi, Mattis Yusha, and Brad Anderson, too, and Rob Lay, too, because we always have to remember the colorists and the letterers put together the book. It's not just a writer doing everything. It's a whole team. And you can feel that synergy coming out, especially with what you were saying in New York. And what resonated to me was characters first. And that was the big takeaway that I took. And here in that, I mean, how much of that is the importance of the ghost machine culture? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the character first thing is something that we, uh, right from the day one, it was, it was the most important thing for us. I mean, we, we know artistically that we can bring, bring things to a, that are, that are going to be a high level that people are going to really enjoy to look at and see. And Jeff, you know, Jeff's, you know, arguably one of the best writers in comic books of the last, what, 25 years. And he's created such so many memorable characters within the DC pantheon. And it's like, you know, we really want to make sure that our books are character driven, story driven. Um, you know, there's we 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 want 
we want the readers. We we want to win back the readers. I think a lot, I I know myself as a comic fan. I'm I'm getting a little burnt out at at some of the things that DC and Marvel and uh, have been doing with their characters, and it just seems like every it's it's about other things other than like the characters. It's about collecting you know a million different covers for this book or that book or whatever. It's it's like these are comic books, in my opinion, are the I think it's the best medium to tell a story in. Uh, you, as the reader, you are filling in the holes between the panels. You are becoming the characters. You are hearing them speak in your head as you as as you're reading these books. And um, we want to we want to we want to take everything that we've learned and everything that we've been excited about when we worked on, you know, Batman and. And Green Lantern and Superman and all these characters that we've that we've had it was a, a complete honor to, to to work on these characters it's like now we want to do it with something new we want to create new legacies we want to create new characters uh, I know for myself I I started a few years back looking at guys like Todd McFarlane and Mike Mignola and, and saying like you know look at these you know they they kind of broke off from the mainstream and they created characters that now have that will outlive them you know, uh, people mm -hmm. will be collecting and reading Spawn and Hellboy, you know, years after those two, their two creators are gone. So, um, you know, it's like we we want to we kind of want to do something like that. We want to take a chance. We want to build up a legacy with these characters and just deliver really great stories. We want we want readers to pick up our books, read through them and say, man, I can't wait till next month. I mean, that was such a great feeling growing up reading these different books and um, and really getting into these different characters is that I loved I loved going back to the comic shop the next month to pick up the next issue of these books. There's a magic to that. There's a magic to to that way of of diving into the medium. And so that's what we really want to do. We want to win over the fans. We want to win over fans who who feel like there's that DC, like there's nothing for them at DC and Marvel anymore. We want to we want to win those fans back. We want to get the get those readers back on board. We we believe that there's still so much to be explored in comic books. It's it's not a dying uh, medium. It's it's just it's it's a it's a medium that is going to keep continuing and growing. And uh, we're excited for this. We're excited for this this journey and these books and these characters. We really think we've we've created some great stuff and. And um, I know personally, I'm really, I'm really itching for people to to get to get Rook. I, I I've been working on it for a while. I want people to start reading it. I want I want I want the feedback from the from the audience. I want um, um, you know, I want to see them fall in love with these characters that we've created. And um, yeah, so I don't know, Jeff, if you want to add anything to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll just be quick, like. Uh even on our website we have characters before creators right even like our, our we are all about the characters because it is about the characters first you know for all of us when we co-own everything even though we're creating our own books you're rooting for everybody right because we're all in this together and that also makes it special and unique and what we want to create is a pantheon of characters i remember when i would get out at the dc offices in new york when i was just starting and there's an elevator that would open up and there was this beautiful mural of all their characters on the wall from different artists. It's actually online. You can find it. 
And when we first started off, I'm like, I want to see Geiger and Redcode and Rook and all these other characters in a lineup. I want people to know our characters and, you know, Junkyard Joe and the Rockefellers and everybody else we've got coming up is the names of our books are the characters, you know, the, the, for the most part, the, the getting back to the core kind of the core comic book thing that I love when I was growing up, when image came out, it was like spawn and savage dragon and wildcats. I was like, Oh my God, all these new characters. It wasn't like, uh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the planet at the end of the galaxy or whatever it was like, which is conceptual, but it was based on a character, a human being, a person, somebody that you could relate to connect with and then follow them through anything. And that's why I'm so excited about it because I love spending time with these characters i love these characters and when i was writing like you know whether it be green lantern or aquaman or anything it was all about the character so all the other stuff was really fun around it whether it be sinester core black assignment or anything but it was the character at the center of the story to me that was everything um even in batman three jokers it was all about batman and barbara gordon and jason todd and those three characters, the trauma they've been through, the the pain that the Joker inflicted on them, the scars they carried with them, and following those characters in. And for for us, this was always like you know, we talked a lot about about you know how how really a lot of the independent companies or 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 um, books have gotten away from a lead character, like a title character. Like there's a lot of great books out, comic books out there that are awesome. Um, but but we missed that kind of collection of of lead characters. I'm you know again from when, when I was growing up when Valiant hit for the first time it was exciting because there mm -hmm. were just new characters and you didn't have to read anything yeah. you don't have to read anything but Geiger April Geiger one and then the next issue Geiger two and there's only one place to get that character and get their story and there's not going to be a hundred versions of that character it's just this one same with Rook mm -hmm. and Redcoat and everybody else we're doing. And that to me is exciting. Is that kind of that that kind of concentration of of creative and and direction and like Jay said, I love cliffhangers. Cliffhangers are the best. And at, being like, yeah. I cannot wait to read Geiger to Rook to Redcoat to and beyond. Like that's really all we're trying to do is create great great comic books and and we're focused on the character and the story first beyond anything else. The only other thing we're focused on is having a great company that 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 everyone and we already do because of all the people part of it but everyone loves working together respects each other and is pulling in the same direction and that's what we are we all have a passion for comic books and we want to bring that passion and really concentrate and put it front and center that's why we're all exclusive to ghost machine is put all our energy into that instead of you know other other places i think you hit on something too real quick is you know jay mentioned bringing the fans back and i think the best way to do that is because sometimes the comic books it's like where do you start as a fan like i'm new to comic books where do i start and like you said jeff this is like you only got to read this and then you got to read this and that's it you don't have that's to it. jump 50 years back and i think that's also a really important jumping point for maybe new comic book fans that are looking to check it's out huge. new characters yeah i'll, I'll yeah. give you by the way anyone can jump on ghost machine one that's all you need to read that has an intro to all our all our first kind of wave of books, all our characters, a lot of first appearances of the characters. And then you just need to read one title. <laughs> like, you know, you just need to. And our goal is not to do not to publish like someone's like, how many books are you guys going to publish a month? I'm like four to six at the most because we want to make them great. You know, like we want like I, I remember when Image first started, I'm like, I'm going to collect every Image book. And then I got kind of unwieldy. Um, <laughs> yeah. We really 
we really want to have a concentration of high quality, high quality um, comic books and that someone can come in and if they see Ghost Machine on it, they know it's going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. They know it's going to be a beautiful book. It's going to have a great story. It's going to be, and it's and that's what it's going to be about, character and story. It's not going to be about 100 multiple covers. It's not going to be about, you know, um, anything but that, the character and the story and high quality. Like we're, I mean, we're working really hard and and we've been doing this a long time and I'm the most excited I've ever been. Like I'm right working on a script right now and I was talking to Gary Frank this morning. I'm most excited I've ever been writing. Like it's, I haven't enjoyed writing this much in comic books and I love writing comic books, but it's just fun to be able to focus all your energy back on on one thing, on one place. And um. And it it is it is important to, to to I think create something that people can jump on board and not go which version of this character is it what's their origin when it, like you know we're not going to be rebooting Rook like this is Rook you're going to read Rook and read and it's going to be Rook number one Rook Exodus one you're going to get on board and see the first appearance of these characters get to know them and can follow their adventures pretty cleanly. So no yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, we're not going to be playing with the multiverse. We can only, as an audience, we can only handle so many multiverses. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be doing multiverses. Uh, like crossovers. 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 What are the things? Crossovers. I'll just, I'll just say this. One of the things with crossovers, because there'll be like there's some interactions with these characters here and there. But one of the things with crossovers, whenever I worked, worked on a crossover, where whether it was against, I'll go back to Blackest Night. It was always about the characters still. And back then that was about, it was about character. It wasn't about concepts. It wasn't about like, mm-hmm. let's explore a concept. It was all about, let's explore a character. Flashpoints about Barry Allen trying to overcome loss. And then his grief, he doesn't, he tries to, he messes up history and his grief infects everything around him. And it's an analysis of what grief can do to somebody, which is why it's so important that Thomas Wayne was the Batman because Having lost my sister, I saw what my dad went through as a parent. It's very different than a child watching their parents die. A parent watching their child die affects them so differently. And the grief that that results from that is massively different. It's much darker, much heavier, much more violent, I think, to their soul. And so Flashpoint was all about grief and processing grief in different ways, good and bad. Batman Three Jokers was all about, Jay and I talked about it forever. It was about trauma and healing right and healing wrong and learning from it and not learning from it. Barbara Gordon, you know, emotionally, she kind of figured it out. Physically, she still was running on that treadmill, even though she was the fastest she's ever been, she wouldn't stop. And so for us, you know, all these stories are, that's why, again, character, they're all about character. They're all about something. Everything's about something. And um, it's not just, you know, conceptually like, oh, this huge giant, I don't know, whatever it is, but but it's all about character. I think that's, that's awesome. That's, yeah, it's one of the biggest things, too, because I think of this whole group here, I'm probably the least uh, least experience with comic book reading because I got into it so late. And just to hear that from a new comic book reader's perspective, that's huge. And for me, I always had I always struggled with trying to find where to start and what run and where. And this whole series, like as soon as Ken showed me, like sent us the press releases, I was like, I was sold on the character alone of just Geiger. I was like, this guy looks awesome. And I've since read all of volume one 
of Geiger, read the first issue, picked it up of of the of the latest uh, run with the two the two uh, two issues coming out. And then I've also read Junkyard Joe. And these two characters are so different. And yet they're going to be intertwined and coming into this whole thing with Ghost Machine. It's going to be all intertwined, too. So I am super stoked for it. And like, how did the the it, it sounded like you guys had a ton of success in this first launch based off of what you did. How did that critical and commercial success of Geiger kind of influence your decision through making Ghost Machine and, and launching the new series, considering you're dealing with such a diverse group of, of characters and, and storylines? It really was organic because we went and did it and it did like Gary and I were like, oh, maybe we'll do this and then we'll go back and do it another, you know, DC or Marvel book. And it did so well that it was so fun to work on. We had so much fun being in control and i think a lot of people mistake when I, when we say we want control as in we want to be like we want to be control like like crazy control and the idea is like no it's just we want to be able to collaborate i love collaboration i love taking feedback we want to you know we want to work together and collaborate but we want to be able to control certain aspects of it and what happened with geiger's success is that it just did really well and then jay and i were we were going to do something else for dc and we actually started just working on our own, like on Rook, and it grew organically out of that, is that we just, you know, with the success that came with it um, and how well it did and the reaction to it and just the fact that we were like creating new, it was exciting. And then Jay and I started talking and then it, it, it just grew organically out of that, out of, it wasn't, I don't think we, we didn't, we didn't do Geiger and then set out to create a ghost machine. It just, it happened over the last two years of going, how do we make, I own a comic shop in, in, in Sherman Oaks called Earth 2 Comics. And I can tell you, I watch a lot about how people buy comics and who comes in and who quits and who comes in that's new and what they're looking for. And I want great comics on the shelf. That's what we all want. We just want to help put as best comic books out there as possible to get people into the stores, reading comics, you know, as much as we can. And, and, um, and so it just organically grew out of like, how do we make a better business? How do we make great comics? How do we, how do we work together with people we love? How do we do all that? So it, it was, it, it did grow very organically over the last two years. We spent a lot of time on this. The fact that it didn't leak before New York Comic Con was a miracle. <laughs> We've been talking about Ghost Machine for, Jay, how long? Like, it's been. It was muted. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been at least. <clears throat> at least a year since we've been really hardcore talking about this, but it goes back even before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was important to build a proper business plan too. Like I, I ran star girl uh, for three seasons and had to manage, you know, like an 80 million, $90 million budget. And to really look at the production of it, I was in Atlanta every day. Uh, it, it's, it's, it feels a lot like show running a show. It's like you're, you're building a, an entirely new system but we spent a lot of time being very meticulous about it about how we could do it right how we can learn from it and we always we know we're going to hit speed bumps along the way and and if you know that you're going to run into challenges and you're going to run into disappointment and you're going to run into things you got to figure out but if you know that and you're ready for it when it comes you, you can handle it and especially when you handle it with a te team like this one together so we've been, you know, we're evolving and growing as we go, but we're really confident in the books we're doing and the characters we're creating. Um, but, but yeah, Marty, this this just happened 
um, happened very organically uh, and and meticulously. Like we did take, we took a year, over a year to to really build this out and then announce it in New York Comic Con. We and you saw when we announced it. I mean, we were we didn't announce it with a press release. We had a booth. We have a website. We have a store. We have books. Yeah. We have, we yeah. had you know ash cans there. So we we wanted to show up and be like, we've been working for a long time on this and a long time and we're ready. Um, we did not want to launch before we're ready. We've all been in situations, Jay and I have, and the rest of the creators where you're working on a book that's supposed to ship in April and the company moves it up by six months in November because they need to make their their yearly you know, dollar sign. And so suddenly you've lost six months of lead time and everyone's yelling that you're late. You know, mm-hmm. well, we wanted yeah. this our way. That's part of the part of the reason too. Like Gary and I wanted to be able to say we're going to ship the book when we're ready, not when you guys think you need money for the fourth quarter. Um, I mean that that's awesome, and the quality, just the quality of of the content that you guys have put out thus far in that first book, and just the character design and art. Oh my god! Like I'm I'm so stoked. I'm all in. I mean, I can't wait to see what you guys what you guys do and what you guys continue to do, and in partnership with some of the great organizations that you've been working with. Yeah, what do you see Jay's uh, design for the the antagonist and Rook, the first the first antagonist and Rook? It's one of the most I want an action figure that one, Jay. So much plastic. Yeah, I think a lot of it too, like showing that you guys show up to New York Comic Con, you're ready, you've got all this stuff ready to go. It also builds trust and automatic buy in from readers too, because it's like, oh, they are serious. This isn't just more you know creators saying that they're going to do creator owned and then just like oh here it is and it's going to be gone in the wind this is like no we are firmly here set in stone and uh we're even seeing some things nowadays like a lot more creative owned things you know we have distillery black market narrative uh what are some pros and cons going creator owned and then do you think that's kind of more the future of comic books or what do you think that's going to lead down the road yeah well I mean, pros and cons, like pros, I mean, you get to, you're creating things that you, ideas that you may have had years ago, you get to bring them to life, you know, like with, with Rook, he's been a character that's been kind of in my head, you know, design wise since uh, when I was, you know, my uh, late teens, early twenties. And he's kind of evolved over the years because I figured, oh, you know, eventually I'll get to this character, but you know, you get, you get in on, you know, I was, I was doing well at DC and I was really enjoying it and, and, and playing in that Batman kind of universe and justice league and stuff. And you kind of put stuff like that to the back burner and you always sit there and think like, you know, one day I'm going to take that chance and I'm going to maybe make this character into something. And then, um, you know, but, but like to, to have, to be able to create things, create characters that you like and, um, and grow them and, and see them become real is is awesome seeing seeing it there's a different feel like it's great to work on batman it's great to work on superman but we didn't create these characters these are Mm. these are characters that were created some of them 80 years ago and they've had great staying power and they're going to be around for a lot longer than us too i mean they're great batman is my favorite character ever and um but i didn't i didn't create the character i i uh, i'm honored to be somebody who's had the opportunity to be a steward of the character. I believe that that's what your job is as an artist or writer. You're to be a good steward of these characters who aren't yours and to guide them and to keep them 
going along the same path they've always gone. You know, you can change things up. You can kind of throw throw the fans for a loop. But by the end of your series, the characters should kind of be back to where they where they were for the next guy to kind of take over and, and do his thing. And you shouldn't change them up too much because that's why people like them is because of the way that they are. But um, we're coming in this with brand new characters that nobody's ever known and you get to play around with them. You can shock people with them. You can, you can do different things. You can lead them in one direction and then, and, you know, change the direction somewhere, somewhere else. And you can build up their backstories and, and you can just, it's like you, you fall in love with you. They feel like these characters become like part of you. They're, they're like a kid or something like that. Like, a, and, and, you know, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to be creative like that. From a con side, you don't have Batman and Green Lantern and Superman to sell your book. You know, you oh, yeah. as a creator have to go out there. You're creating a new character. You have to keep your expectations under check. And you have to say, you know, we, Jeff and I and, you know, the whole company, we've been really talking about setting our expectations uh, to a healthy expectation, but also knowing that this is a long game. You know, we're not expecting to sell a hundred thousand copies of these books day one. We're expecting we're, we're we've all been devoted. We're all devoted to working on these characters for a long time to grow the mythology. Um, I hope that Rook is a character that I'm. I really would love to be like Mike Mignola and work on a character for twenty plus years and grow the mythology of that character and see them become more uh, as, as they go and then pass them on maybe one day to, to the next generation to, for them to tell stories like that. To me, that, that would be an incredible legacy and, a, and an incredible accomplishment. And, you know, so I'm in it for the long haul. I, I, I want to, I want to grow these care. I want to see Rook become something really special and I'm willing to put in the time and I'm willing to also win over the audience as time goes by. We may not may not sell a ton of books at first, but maybe those maybe we grow the audience a little by little every year, and and they start having they start really loving these characters and and wanting to know more about them. And so, um, you know, you it th there is a bit of a risk to it, uh, but I think there's a great reward to it as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we've seen I those. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, everything everything he said and also Matt, like commitment, like is what Jay said, like we're committed to these characters. Like that's it. Like we're we're doing these characters. We're running these books. This is not we're not going to do like I'm not going to write four issues of Geiger and then go write something else. I, I'm mm -hmm. you know, that's I, I think there's there's a level of sophistication and character development that you can only get when you're doing long form storytelling in comics. That's what I've always loved. And that's what we're building out here. These are like Jay said, this is, this is a long game. You know, we're playing It's like, we're, we're committed to these characters and we're committing to let these characters and their audiences grow as we, as we do our books. It's like so building through the more... draft. <laughs> Do you feel more freedom in the creative process now, whereas before you had to follow somewhat of that outline for Batman or Green Lantern? It's different. You know, when you work on a character that's so well-defined like Batman, um, you just kind of accept the the 
and I and I don't say this as a bad word, the box that you're in, right? I like being in a box sometimes. You're like, I'm in the Batman universe. I'm going to write a character, a story with Joker and, you know, and Jason Todd and Barbara Gordon. And Jay and I had a great time doing that. I loved writing in the box of the DC universe. I, I never really felt um, like I couldn't tell the stories I really wanted to tell. There are always things mm-hmm. you have to kind of adhere to because of things going on or like, you know, you've got to this month, you know, power girls wearing a jacket, right? Like you get that kind of note. And I'm like, okay, great. Why is she wearing a jacket? And I don't get a response. That's when I like, and they're like, we just, she's just wearing a jacket now. That's when I kind of like, I'm like, well, it'd be nice if I knew why she traded her cape because I could write her a little better, but it's okay. I'll just put the jacket on her if you guys insist. So there's things that there's things like that, that you have to deal with. But I never, I was very lucky in the fact that most of my career, I chose to work on the characters that nobody cared about, like Booster Gold and Aquaman. When I started Green Lantern, they just didn't care. Justice Society. Most of the time, they were like, can you please write Batman instead? And I preferred writing those obscure characters or those characters that had kind of been forgotten about. The Teen Titans, like when I launched Teen Titans, everyone was like, that book's going to be canceled in six issues. Nobody wants to read a Teen Titans book. And we, I love when they said that. Don't do Aquaman. I remember they said, Ivan Reese and I were going to do Aquaman. They said, don't waste your time on Aquaman. Go do Batman. And it was, it was, it was great. So I had a lot of creative freedom because of that. And also because we had success on the books we did. You know, but even with with Batman three Jokers and those big characters, I don't think Jay Jay and I had some when we were working on it. There were there were some issues we had to deal with with continuity and DC and all that stuff. But for the most part, we took any 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 kind of lemon that came our way, we made into lemonade. Um, and Jay and I talked about that a lot. There's some things in Three Jokers that evolved because of that in a great way. It just made the book better. So it's not necessarily about about um, getting creative freedom that. We can do things we weren't allowed to do at DC, but it is about being able to tell st- complete stories where we can create and go anywhere we want and talk about anything we want and explore anything we want and create our own thematics to explore. When you're working on Green Lantern, to me, that's got that thematic better be grounded in overcoming fear and dealing with fear because that's what Green Lantern's all about. You are chosen because you can overcome fear. It doesn't mean you're fearless, but you can overcome it. We change that. So there was a story there. You have to have a story of some kind. So those thematics, those kind of emotional centers are set in those DC characters. I think when you change them or destroy them or stray from them, you might as well be doing writing a story about Firestorm or whoever if if you're not going to make the central core you know, uh, theme about what the character is all about. With this, we can just create our own. Geiger has his own. Rook has has his own red coat. Everybody has their own central core theme that we want to explore and say something about today. You know, those most of those characters created in the 40s, 50s, 60s. They say a lot about their era and our characters are saying a lot about ours. Mm, for sure. For sure. And so, you know, oh, go ahead. With both of you guys having the utility belts of awesomeness of working over all these years of all these franchises and you guys have a venerable corral of super friends writing for you is. What are the tropes both on the page and off the page that you're trying to avoid or, you know, steer around as you're managing this whole new company? God, I mean, tropes. I mean, I don't know if there's I don't know if we consciously are like doing a checklist of what tropes we want to avoid on the page. Um, 
like uh, like uh I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that you know we try and make all our stories unique our characters unique one of the things i will say is that we're not doing straight superheroes so that's a giant trope in itself and the reason we're not is back in the day way back way back when comic books were westerns and romance books and sci-fi books and superhero books and horror books and all these different genre and they eventually evolved as tv evolved and film evolved suddenly there were horror there was horror on television and in film and there was westerns and and war and 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 you saw those genres disappear in comics as they really grew in media right and so the comics became more and more and more and more about superheroes. They leaned on superheroes because superheroes couldn't be done in media. Now that superheroes are all over media, they're all over film and TV, we feel like it's it's time to get back to the diversity of genre that comic books originally were. Comic books, when you say comic books, you don't say superheroes. You, you, you know, or everyone thinks of superheroes. We we don't. We we are not doing straight superheroes. We're doing genre, we're doing sci-fi we're doing family books horror books we're doing all sorts of different genre but we aren't doing super straight superhero books capes and tights um as as brian hitch said it so so i think eloquently and simply in in one of our videos he said you know heroes yes capes no and um and that's i guess tom a trope that a, a, or, a, or a, an area, I guess, that we feel is very well covered in, in comic books. There's straight superheroes are very, very well covered. Um, and uh, yeah. so we want to do something different. We all, even, even Geiger's, it's like he's got abilities and stuff, but it's, it's superhero adjacent. It's a post nuclear war mm -hmm. story about a guy who will do anything to protect his family. And then ultimately has to learn to, you know, kind of find a new one. And, uh, and then it goes from there but but that's a trope i guess i don't know if you want to call it a trope but we're trying to avoid the superhero tropes we're trying to avoid the straight superhero stuff that we've seen over and over and over um i love uh mm. the you know, vertigo titles like shade the changing man and doom patrol and sandman and all those mm. books hellblazer you know we've got some of that influences what we're doing um but as far as character centered stuff goes and, and off the beaten path and then the tropes behind the scenes are off the page I mean, we've talked a lot about it. Some of the stuff will be, we'll be announcing just as terms of like, you know, I think it's probably a little too early to talk about some of the things, but some of it is stuff that will be consumer facing. And some of this stuff is just internally, like what we want our culture to be, what we want our, you know, strategy to be you know, with our characters and our books and our, our scheduling and, and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just something that you're doing and that's, oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, we're, we're, I was going to say, is, go ahead. Oh, go Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is it's something, it's something that, you know, we can tell as readers are already seeing about the diverse way that you're approaching things. I mean, not everything is a superhero story. It's not so cookie cutter, if you will. And it's also another approach that you do, especially to touch upon briefly, because I know we're running very tight on time about what you did with Junkyard Joe and the charities for the VA and the t-shirts. Can you touch upon a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Junkyard Joe is a, I mean, it feels like uh, Gary and I love doing that book. You know, we, he was introduced in Geiger in a very different way. And then we wanted to, again, it's character driven. When we did Junkyard Joe one through six, we had a, a story we really wanted to tell that was, you know, Joe is essentially stand in for veterans like he, and, 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 um, and he come, you know, it's, it's a story about veterans. And so we wanted to make it 
special. And one of the things we did do is with the first issue, we did a special black and white edition where we raised money for two organizations, the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans here in the States and Veterans Aid in the UK, where Gary um, is from. And he lives in Italy now. And um, uh, our both our grandparents served in World War II. And we wanted to find um, find a place to not only tell the story, but also to kind of give back the best way we could. We also have T-shirts up on our uh, a shop that are um, all the proceeds go to those two organizations, too. But it, it just grew out of the organic again, organically, it grew out of the nature of the story with the story we're telling um, and a uni- unique story. I don't think you'll find a story like Junkyard Joe in any other comic book, um, especially out there on the stands right now. And that's a different type of story. You read that, it's it's not like every other book um, that Marvel and DC do. And and it's not like anything else Gary and I have ever done. Uh, it's a different kind of tonal. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it definitely, it stands out on its own. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, as Tom's a, a Navy vet and I'm currently still, I've been in the Air Force for 12 years. Uh, that's something that really stood out to the both of us and the whole team. And it was like, Definitely something we wanted to ask and something that we just wanted to drop and say, we, we appreciate you guys actually doing that, uh, putting a spotlight Absolutely. on that because it's something that really means a lot to, you know, not only us two, but a lot of people that our families know personally. Well, thanks for your service, guys. Just doing my job. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's it's such a great right cause to do. And it's it's just another point that you're doing stuff that is very different. And you can definitely feel not only as a character driven what you're doing, but it is just you're taking things and doing a, a different approach to it that stands out. And that is something that just gravitates towards a fan. And especially now leading into the one shot that is coming out in January, just to kind of wrap this interview up with, if I'm at the comic shop and I'm hearing this for the first time, what is the selling point? Why should I make sure that I do not walk out of the comic shop in January, 2024 without that one shot in my hand? That's my question to you both. I'll say, let me, let me, I'll answer that in fact first, but let me say something really, really quick about, um, about uh, the shirts and all that, because, you know, one of the things that Jay said, and this is about the company, one of the things that Jay said, when we did three jokers, like these covers were blown up. He's like, why can't you buy, everyone's asking me, why can't, where can I buy a t-shirt with that art? And the process to kind of get that going would have been taken months and months and months because of all the red tape. I know, I know, but with this, we control it. We can have that. If someone says we want to, t-shirt a rook this image a rook we can put it we can get it up online and ready to go literally that day so and we because we control it all we have the autonomy so it is that is another aspect of the company that's a very that's pro if people want something we can do it right away if people ask about it we have the ability to do whatever we want with these characters we together own the copyrights and nobody else Mm -hmm. can tell us otherwise Uh, we had a summit in new york which is probably ken why you could feel the camaraderie because we spent days together for the first time as a team before New York Comic Con started. We had an amazing bonding experience. And there was a moment we were in the conference room all together. And I was just like, there's nobody outside this room that can tell us what to do. There's no corporate <laughs> overlords. Yeah, it's the there's best no feeling in the world. It is. It's the best feeling in the world yeah. to be able to just control it. We will sink or swim ourselves, but but that I'd rather I'd rather take a leap like this with the people I love and trust and respect than to have to do something and listen to somebody tell me what to do um, or tell us we need this. We want this. This is going to ship here. You're late. Like we know we, we're adults. We can handle ourselves. Um, but anyway, 
back to Ghost Machine One. Why you have to <laughs> no, pick no it up? Worries. It's sixty-four pages of amazing story and art that will introduce a new generation of characters that are created for today, and that will be spinning off into books starting in April. Um, it's only four ninety-nine. It's sixty-four pages. It will give you a taste of everything that Ghost Machine has and teases what to come. We haven't even announced everybody that's in that book yet. Um, so it's really exciting for us. I'll talk, I'll talk Jason. to Jay. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective as an artist, I mean, you got <clears throat> you got Gary Frank and Brian Hitch, uh, Francis Manipool, and, and another secret artist who will be in there too, which will knock people's socks off. And uh, the book just looks beautiful from an artistic standpoint, but the stories are great. It's a great little introduction book. And we're really hoping that people will pick it up, give it a chance, take a read, and then get excited for the books that are going to be coming in April with uh, Rook and Redcoat and uh, Geiger as well. And, um, you know, we're just, I mean, we're, we have so much passion for these things that we're producing. And we really believe in this and believe in these characters. We think that these characters are going to be characters you're going to see, you know, not only in comic books, but also, you know, TVs and movies and all kinds of stuff in the, in the future. And um, we want to, this is a chance to get in on the ground floor. Like when, you know, imagine getting in on the ground floor of like Batman, you know, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the closest thing I can remember would have been like the 90s with like Spawn and, and all those oh, yeah. image books. This is the chance to like kind of get in on that ground floor and and start reading these adventures of these characters and uh, be a part of it. Yeah. Um, that's and exciting. Get, yeah. And get back to books that you want every, like Jay said earlier, you, that you want, you can't wait for the next issue every month. That's what we want. We want excitement in comics again. We want excitement month after month, week after week. We want to give people books that they cannot wait to read and characters that they, they absolutely love. And that's what, and that's something that we as comic readers are absolutely dying to get a hold of. I can't stress this enough to you, the listening audience. In the liner notes of this podcast is the code to go to your comic shop and comicshoplocator.com link. So there's no reason you should not run down there and order multiple copies of this because <laughs> this is going to be a book that is going to kick off a whole new revolution in comics. And if you haven't seen anything of what they're doing right now, go to Ghost Machine's website. The link is there also as well. Sign up for the newsletter. You don't want to miss out on all the excitement that is coming out of this because trust me, as a fan that was in attendance, this is going to be the real deal. There is no hype behind this. This is just facts. If you want character-driven stories, you've got it. If you want amazing creators, you've got it. There is no other reason you should be passing on this book otherwise than you just you know bought too many copies and you can't buy another one. That is legitimately the only thing you need to do. Make sure you sign up for that. Gentlemen, on behalf of my team, thank you for taking the time out to talk with us. After the one shot comes out, we definitely have to talk again. Great. We'll be here. And and yeah, again, any information you guys want out there, ghostmachinepro.com or ghostmachinepro at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and you'll find all of us there too. Absolutely. Yeah, we're posting a lot of little sneak peeks and stuff like that. We can do that because we don't have DC or <laughs> yeah, no one. We can, I can show what I'm working on today, you know, or yeah. tomorrow or whatever. I can, I can sneak peek it to get people excited about that. That's a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun to be able to, again, like nobody, you know, no one can tell. We don't have to get 18 people to approve something to uh, be able to post a picture of a panel, which is great. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be the the best feeling in the world, especially when you have a DIY book that comes with so much passion and really drives home the point that you've heard multiple times throughout this episode, characters first. It is something that we get behind here at the nerd initiative and something that ghost machine lives every day. When you start seeing these characters come out, it's phenomenal stuff. So if, so we'll just close it like how we always do with turn a page when you're at the comic book shop and you have a great issue in your hand, much like the ghost machine one shop and you hear and you look at somebody and they're struggling to find something on the shelf, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Such waste of time, swiping left and swiping right on people you could know. Cause anyone who's worth a damn be worth way more than a picture could ever show. You can find the right light, find the right angle, and never find your soul. And it can feel like a losing battle, and this plot is full of holes. This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know